Welcome to Real Life at the Ridge, the preaching ministry of Chestnut Ridge Church. I'm going to invite you to turn with me to John chapter 4. I'm going to give you a prelude tonight to, for Sunday morning. And as you find your place there, um, we are ahead but behind a little bit. But we're catching up quick. Let me explain that. Um, really have a good idea where we're going to be preaching and leading in ministry all the way through probably September at this point. Now that don't mean that all the little details are filled in, but we've got a we've God's laid out a plan for us uh, as a church uh, staff, uh, for me as a pastor, and also us as a church body. Um, I believe God has laid out a pretty good, pretty awesome plan for us. We're gonna kick it off this coming Sunday. We're, the title of our walk over that time period is going to be Supernatural, is the title of it. And we're going to be talking about what a lot of people would consider to be just ordinary practical things, but I believe it's the things that God has prepared for us so that He might do supernatural things in our lives. I don't know about you, but I really enjoy seeing God do supernatural things. And I'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute. We'll start this coming Sunday, and I want to invite folks online, if you uh, would share this come su coming Sunday morning, if you'd share it, if you'd uh, invite people, um, if you want to come and be a part of it here. This first section that we're going to go through, we're going to spend five weeks talking about being filled up that's why you see our little fountain thing out there our little well house uh just a side note christy and i actually had to when we first got married um the property that we lived on for the first ooh, nine years don't you i gotta love it i do know i've got an anniversary coming up very soon uh april 30th i do know that much my brother called me and wanted me to help him do something and all, and he had said May 3rd and all, and then he come, I said, May 3rd's, he said Saturday, May 3rd. I said, May 3rd's not a Saturday, it's a Tuesday. Oh, April 30th, I said, you might as well get that out of your mind, because I am not going to be helping you on May 30th. I mean, April 30th. He said, <laughs> I said, uh, you know, he said, no, 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 May 1st. I said, now we might can work that out. I said, but I promise you on the 30th, I'm, I cannot do it. Um, so, <laughs> um, 
But we had this, uh, we had a, a 36 inch terracotta wheel on that property. Had a big concrete lid on it, but we, we built something like that, just a little bit, good bit bigger with a bucket and a crank and all that stuff. Never, never used it, uh, but, uh, but it was kind of cool. Uh, but we're going to be talking about being filled up. And we're going to talk about that for uh, intensely for five weeks. Then we're going to be talking about being geared up. We're going to talk about being signed up. And then we're going to be talking about, we're going to talk about being poured out. And so that's, that's going to take us all the way into around September. We don't know the exact final date yet, but we're putting a plan together. I want to see God do supernatural things in my life. But what those things are, what we call supernatural things, my prayer is that God will teach us what those things truly are. Show them to us. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read through um, several verses here. As a matter of fact, we're going to read verses 1 through 15. I'm going to come back and I'm going to just light in on just a couple of thoughts. And I hope whets your appetite for Sunday. I know I'm excited about it. I'm uh, very, very thrilled about what God's got in store for us. Verse 1 of chapter 4 says, Therefore when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself did not baptize but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again to Galilee. But he needed to go through Samaria. So he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour, and a woman of Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. And Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as well as his sons and his livestock? And Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. I'm going to give you another passage of Scripture that you might want to jot down or put in your memory and take with you that you're going to, that's going to become a, a companion for you over the next months leading up to September. That's Isaiah chapter 58. The whole chapter, it's only, it's not that many verses. I wanted to spout out as 14 verses, but I think that might be close. But Isaiah 58, you take that and just start reading that. And if you, I would encourage you to read it every day. Read Isaiah 58. Now that's what I'm, I'm going to do. I'm going to be reading it multiple times a day. 
I actually been reading it a few uh, times for the last several days. But that's going to be a companion verse for us to take with us through our journey as we go. Jesus in this text is traveling with his disciples. And there are a lot of things that we can get into with this. I've preached out of this passage of Scripture a lot of times, but I want to pull a few different things. So I'm not going to go through all the other little details. I'm just going to try to point out something specific to you tonight. Jesus is traveling with his disciples. They get to this well that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. And the Bible says that Jesus, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. Disciples went into town to get some things, and a woman walks up. He asked her for a drink of water. Now that picture within itself has never really spoke to me in the way it has in recent days. And I'm not going to go into my whole story. I'm saving that for, for Sunday. As a matter of fact, uh, I don't know. Any of y'all take the Herald, the Kings Mountain Herald? Got one right there? You'll see my shining face in there this week. Um, but uh, uh, the Kings Mountain Ministerial Association has um, a spot each month for pastors to, to have an article in the Herald right now. This is my month, so I'm on my second article. And so I've got two more to come. But right this minute, I, uh, this week's was part one of a three-part series of articles um, in there. And Miss Barbara actually pu published it as a blog also on our uh, website, too. She took the same article because um, I have somebody proofread, <laughs> proofread, a couple people proofread those things. And so, um, so anyhow, it tells a little bit of the journey that I'll talk about on Sunday. But when I think about the fact that Jesus Christ become wearied, and he's looking for a drink of water to quench a thirst within him, but yet he talks to this woman about having everlasting life. I don't know about you, but and, and I've encouraged you to do this before, but when you read the Bible, don't just read it. You read, read it, but let it read you and you read into it what not reading into it in the wrong way but reading into it in the right way put yourself in that situation i mean they've traveled a long way they don't have yeti tumblers they don't have you know uh the what are the packs that you carry with the camel packs or whatever with the water in them and the little straws i mean they're traveling Jesus has traveled. They've not traveled by car. They've traveled by foot. He's tired. Do you know that Jesus Christ allowed himself to be tempted in all points? The Bible says, yet without sin. But don't miss the fact that he let himself be succumbed to the body of the flesh. He felt the things that we feel. Now, I don't, the older I get, the more wearied I get in a shorter distance. And I guess that's going to progressively continue if I don't do something about it, right? But Jesus is tired. His physical body is exhausted. He's sitting there and he wants a drink of water. That leads me to believe that if that happened to Jesus, it can happen to me. 
that my body has physical limitations. As a matter of fact, I'll go ahead and make this statement for you that you'll hear again Sunday. I can't do supernatural stuff. And you can't either. I cannot produce supernatural miracles. And anybody that thinks they can, let them read the scriptures. Because I remember them going out one time and they come back to Jesus and they said, man, we went out there trying to exercise demons and all this stuff. We got our tails whooped. And if you look at the whole story, the reason they got their tails whooped is because he did not empower them to go out. You, you and I, we can't do supernatural. You can't do God's stuff. Only God can do God's stuff. You say, he lives in me. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. He, 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 lives, he lives in the believer. And he can live in the believer. And the believer can want to search after him and do all kinds of things that would seem to be godly. But that don't mean that supernatural things are going to come out of your life. Read Isaiah 58 intently and you will see. As a matter of fact, I encourage you to read it in multiple translations. Don't just read it in the translation that you carry. You get on. So how do I do that? Look online. You can look in parallel scripture right there. I'm not trying to tell you that you shouldn't read your Bible. I'm just trying to tell you, read it in a couple different translations. That way you can get the scope of some things. You don't have to just have a preacher sitting there. I had a preacher friend of mine that went to Fruitland. He was about two quarters ahead of us. And we were talking about the King James Bible. And this ain't a kick on the King James Bible. I'm just saying we were talking about it because I didn't, I preached out of the New King James Bible. He preached out of King James. He said, Lord, if I didn't preach out of King James Bible, I don't know what my messages would be like because my whole, my whole sermon is translating the King James Bible to these people so they can understand it. And that's kind of comical, but that's what good translations have done. They just brought it into our understand, a language that we can understand. Uh, how many of y'all know what pu uh, pulse is? Somebody tell me, what's pulse? Beating of your heart. See, that's what we know pulse to be. But in the King James Bible, it says that the, the Hebrew boys refused to eat pulse and drink wine. It means beans. But you don't know that. I'd have to translate that for you so that you would know what that means. That's all they've done with the other translations. My daddy, when he was a youngin, gay meant happy. Gay don't mean happy no more. Right? It means queer. Right? Y'all with me? Maybe I shouldn't have said that word, but whatever. It means, anyhow, gay don't mean happy no more. Jesus Christ in the flesh suffered from the limitations of the body to the point that he got tired. His body got tired. Jesus, the King of kings and Lord of lords, did not get tired spiritually, but his body got tired. He was grieving in agony in the Garden of Gethsemane, so much so that he sweated great drops of blood. He was under such intense pressure, agonizing under such intense pressure, that blood pierced its way through the sails 
of his skin out of his vessels. It's a scientific uh, uh, thing that happens to the body. I can't explain it to you. not going to try, but you can look it up. It is an actual thing that happens under intense stress. It happened to Jesus. But yet Jesus Christ can walk on water. Jesus can. The only reason that it can happen to him is because of the supernatural thing that God did in him and through him. You and I can't do supernatural things. The, the physical body, and I'll be careful when I say this, but the physical body alone of the Lord Jesus Christ would have been nothing without the Spirit of God in it. You and I are human beings, and human beings have limitations. Don't know if you know that. How many of y'all notice you got limitations? Yeah? And I'm coming to find out that in the Christian life, we're getting things mixed up a little bit. Now, I want to take you on a little bit more of a journey, and let's, let's talk a little bit about this. So she is, well, I've got to give you the context of who she is again, and so she's here. She has had five husbands. She's living with the guy that she's uh, hanging around with now. Jesus exposes that. She comes in the middle of the day because she is not wanting to be around people. She's, uh, they, most people would come in the cool of the day, in the morning, in the evening. This is the sixth hour, starting with 6 o'clock in the morning. She's around noontime. She's out there in the heat of the day to draw so she don't have to be around the crowd. She's sick of coming to this well. Because if you notice in the text that we read, Lord, the last verse I read, if I'm not mistaken, it says, Lord, give me this water that I might not thirst anymore, nor come here to drink, to draw. Why? I mean, can you figure what her life is like in the world that she lives in? I mean, I remember my dad telling me that when, when a young, if a young lady got pregnant when he was in school, they would move her out of town. That ain't nothing compared to this. These are the folks, if you remember, that drugged the woman. Listen, just to try to make a point and get over on Jesus, they cared nothing about the, the lady. She was worth nothing to them. Drug her up in front of Jesus and said, She's, we called her red-handed in adultery. And they're expecting him, if he's going to be God, that he, they, he should take her out and have her stoned. This is the same people, same mentality. Not the same people, but the same mentality. She ends up going back to town after Jesus does what he does with her. She ends up going back to town and saying to all the men, and I think it's very emphatic that she says, not just to the people, to the men in town, come and meet a man who told me everything that I ever did. Now, I just want you to understand that this is also somebody who's wore out. Now, she might not be wore out physically like Jesus is wore out, but she's wore out. Life is miserable. You can be wore out and not be physically wore out. Did you know that? I've been there many times in my life. There are people today that are wore out and don't do nothing. And I've, 
as a pastor, I've put a lot of time into speaking with people about this, counseling with people about stuff like this, and, and, and living, thinking, and praying about people because people is what God's called us to do. Buildings are just things we, it's just part of it. This is not what we come to, God sent us to do is to build a physical building. It's just something we have to do in the part of ministry. And a lot of the other things that we do is just stuff that we have to do because we do deal with people. People will show up here on Sunday morning. If they have a handout, we, we can communicate better to them with the handout. But making the handout is just something we have to do. But our business is people. And so dealing with people, I've come to find out that there are a lot of folks that don't have answers to life. They've not been trained up like they probably should have been. They weren't trained up to, to, to work. We can sit here and point our fingers at them. And don't, hear, don't get me wrong. I can't stand a lazy person. I mean, that's just me. I'm just speaking in my flesh. I'm just telling you right now. I don't think God's in favor of laziness. But also you got to take into consideration the fact that there are people out there who have never been taught how to work. And you got folks that are 30 and 40-something years old. And they have never been taught that, um, that you are to provide for your family if you're a man. They've never been taught that. They've never been taught how to balance a checkbook. They've never been taught these things. And, and we sit there, and you can't blame somebody for something that they have never been taught. That's hard to deal with. But it's the truth. It's just like in church life. If I, if I was to tell you, if, or if there, we were to have a meeting and it was on a Thursday, this, like tomorrow at 4.30, and somebody say, you know, we, we, we get up on Sunday morning and say, you know, well, why wouldn't y'all there? You're going to say what? You didn't tell me we was having a meeting. I can't blame you for something you don't know. And some things just don't come natural. Some things have to be taught. I was taught that I was supposed to get up and go to work every single day. That was drilled into me. Uh, any of y'all? You're the better for it. I remember the first time, I'm just coming off a of vacation that's kind of mindful to me. First time I ever had a vacation day. All the shops that I worked at, I mean, I may have taken a day off here or there, but I didn't have actual vacation time. I worked in a lot of job shops, and Lord, we just worked, worked, and worked, and worked, and worked. I went to work at this plant, first plant I ever worked for. I worked in a lot of them for the job shops, but never worked for one. I go in, two weeks vacation right off the bat. I'm like, didn't know what that was. Well, one day I was like, you know what? By golly, I'm going to take one of them days. Well, you got to figure now, you got to put your mind in. There's three single wide mobile homes. We, it was our little trailer park. My grandmama, my mom, and dad, and down and toward the front was me and Christy. I'm snoozing. Probably what? It was early. Six o'clock in the morning. My daddy's beating on my door. I'm like, man, what you want? He's like, are you overslept or something? I said, no. I said, I'm taking a vacation day. No, you ain't. <laughs> I said, what are you talking about? He said, you don't use them. You got to save them. You don't know what's going to happen. 
your family, something may happen with the kids or something like that, and you got to save them days up. You're going to get up and go to work. I said, Dad, I'm going to take a vacation. He said, no, you're not. <laughs> you're going to get up and go to work. I'm thankful for that. Because when it hits the fan and I have to get up, I just get up. But everybody don't have that. And I could sit here and go into everything that people are dealing with right now, but if you get my point, there are people that are wore out. Some of them are wore out because they have worn themselves out. Some people are wore out because they've worn themselves out worrying about things. Some people, I mean, we could sit here, but our bodies are limited. Now, God does not want the church of the Lord Jesus Christ to be wore out. He says, don't be anxious for nothing. Right? All things, but prayer and supplication, let your request be made known to God. Yoke is easy, burden is light. He wants to do supernatural things in our lives. He does. He wants to do supernatural things around us and through us in ministry. And there's a lot of difference between what we consider to be supernatural and what God does. And a lot of things that we give, we call, well, praise God for this, but yet is it is it really just is it really God or is it just normal things that we do? And it's all we have to attribute to God. Let me show this to you. So Jesus answered verse 10. I get past the fact that she's the whole deal, her being Samaritan, him being a Jew and all that. Let's just go past that for a moment. Verse 10, Jesus answered and said to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it was who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? Now verse 12 is a really interesting verse. Listen to it. Are you greater than our father Jacob? who gave us this well, drank from it himself, and all his sons, and the livestock. Now think about what she's talking about. Jesus is talking about miracles. Jesus is talking about a miraculous thing, that he can bring a nourishment into the life of a human being that will never run out. He can put a spigot in you that if you will stay under that spigot, and if I would stay under that spigot, that we would never, ever be wore out again. I'm talking about in here. I'm not talking about my physical body. I'm talking about, but in here, that I would be full from now on. And she says, are you greater than Jacob who gave us this well? I mean, his sons drank from that well. His livestock and their livestock drank from that well. And here we are drinking from this well. I mean, this is the greatest thing that we have. And a human being gave it to us. You see her comparison? Do you think you're greater than Jacob? He, he dug this well. We're getting ready to start some re refurbishing on the house. And I, I have, uh, I don't know if it's a blessing or a curse. And God's changing some things in my life, so I hope that I still have a skill set enough to do the things that I need to do. But we're going to be doing some things around the house. We're, getting, we're going to 
Lord willing, we're going to change the look of our front porch a little bit and stuff, and so we'll put some new posts up and all, and railings on the front porch and things. And um, I can handle that. But that ain't a God thing. You say God gave you the gift. Oh, yeah, he, d he did. But I don't know that I'm going to chalk that up as a God thing just because I can put some post up. You with me? See, if that's the most miraculous thing that happens in my life, now my wife might think it's a miracle. Not that the posts go up, but that I do something around the house. She might think that that's a miracle. She might praise the Lord on that one. But she won't be praising the Lord because I put a post up. Think about your life right now. Think about your, your life and the miracles of God. Has God done miraculous things in your life? Now, I know God comes through here and there, and I get that, and I want to praise Him for, there ain't no little thing if God comes through. I mean, but, but still, I look back over my life and I go, you know what? There have been times when I have... I feel like I have lived hanging on to the hem of his garment, and I have seen him do things, incredible things. But then there are times in my life when I, I look and I go, I've just been kind of clicking along this thing. And yeah, life's okay, life's fine, but I can't say that I've seen God do miraculous things. Do you know that he desires to do those things? I believe that with all my heart. Why? Because it brings glory to Him. It brings glory to God. If God changes your life, if God saves your marriage, if God does anything like that, it's a miracle. But how many marriages do you see God rescuing? How many lives do you see God truly changing? Read Isaiah 58. You're Isaiah 58, and you'll intently just bury yourself in Isaiah 58 and see what, what God says out of it. That God intends for you and I to have a, a well within us that never runs dry. That there would spring up inside of us something from our searching after Him, our abiding in Him, this woman's whole life was changed because she got this. And there was a point in time, if you're saved today, there was a point in time somewhere in your Christian walk that you were a little bit closer maybe than you are now. Maybe you are where you, right where you need to be. But our country's not. Our communities are not. And let's just go ahead and face it, the church ain't neither. I've seen God do miracles out of this place. I've seen God heal people. I've seen God come through. I used to see God do miracles every single month at times through this church. We were falling after God so, just so radically falling after God. Susan would 
I'd text Susan and I'd say, where are we at with the finances? Because, I mean, there was a point in time our average, our average bu uh, uh, bottom line on, and, and I ain't talking about no $200,000 in some kitty over here. I'm talking about they would be, we, if there was $3,000 left, we was jumping up and down. And I'd text her, and sun, the last Sunday for the month was gone. And there was a few more days left in the week, but there wasn't no other Sunday left. I'd text her, and she said, we're $5,000 in the hole. And she'd text me the next day, and she'd say, somebody just stopped by the house and gave me a check for $6,000. And that happened so many times. I don't know who they are. Don't even need to. I know who did it. He did it. That's miraculous stuff. That's the stuff that God does but you and I don't do. There's a gentleman by the name of Junior Hill. If I remember this story correctly, I think this is right. If I find out that it isn't, I'll correct myself to you. Junior Hill's an evangelist. He's up in age right now. Uh, I had the privilege of hearing him probably two dozen times at some conferences in different places, but I've never had him in a church. That, he's never been to a church that I've been a part of. Great old man of God, just humble, but just, you could tell he abided with the Lord. I mean, you could just tell he, he lived with God. He was preaching at a church in Raleigh, and the church, the typical thing for the church down there is it's a decent-sized church they had in their budget for the for an evangelist and they would just pay what they had in the budget for the evangelist well he was accustomed to getting a, a love offering that's kind of that's just how he always worked was just took up a love offering and they debated back and forth just like well he'll still come but you know we don't normally do that but they look we're gonna do it this time he came they took a love offering up one one night they was counting the love offering up. It's $27,000 and some extra. And they were like, there was a little bit of a debate, I think, about whether they was actually going to give him the money or not. Wrote a check, put it in an envelope, handed it to him. He goes home. He don't live in North Carolina. He gets home. He ain't opened the envelope. He hands it to his wife. She opens it up, and she goes, Honey, do you know what's in here? He said, I ain't got a clue. She said, there's a little over $27,000 in here. And he's floored. She said, hang on a minute. She goes and gets another envelope where he had had some horrible medical things go on just prior to that. She said, I just got the bill for the medical stuff. It's $27,000 some odd dollars. See, that's a miracle. Did you know that God wants to do miracles in and around us? God's not worried about the size of the mountain that he puts in front of you. He made the mountain and he made you and he made me. 
all God's wanting us to do is draw near to Him. God's wanting us to, to, to stay up under the spigot, to be full, to watch Him spill out everywhere and watch Him do miraculous things. It ain't about us having, there's nothing wrong with having. That's not what it's about. It's about obedience. It's not about us giving. It's about obedience. We don't fancy God's eye just because we give a large amount of money. Those people that dropped off those $6,000 and $3,000 and $7,000 checks back in them days, they ain't got no plaques on the wall. I don't even know who they are. It's not about the amount. And I'll just go ahead and say this right now. Y'all don't even know who it is, so I won't even, ain't, I'm not even going to name his name. Just There's a pastor right now that he's changed his whole mind. He, pastored, he started, a, started a church. It grew to, I think, like 6,000 people. He's authored several books. And now he's got this idea that you shouldn't gather together in buildings like this. Everything should be in a home. And no more than 20-something pe 20 people or 24 people in, in each of those homes and all. And then you, you, you do more. And he said, because it don't cost nothing to do that. And he's got this whole, whole idea, and he's trying to say that this he did it all wrong and all everything they did was wrong and all this stuff you see but what i want you to understand is there's there's several things I, i'm not going to get into the whole deal there but see one of the big things that stands out to me and i'm not a health wealth and prosperity preacher but my god's never been worried about a mountain that you put in front of somebody front of that he puts in front of us when he had them build the temple the tabernacle he wasn't worried about what that thing cost resources were all out there he just said y'all just do it the whole time that the children of israel were in babylon in captivity for 70 years the cedars of lebanon were growing while we're going through our little journeys whatever god's got ahead of us he's already preparing the way for us god's not worried about those those things so some people might see church buildings a church building as a waste or whatever but if it's something that god wanted you to do in your journey with him it's not broke god all this stuff that we have here are just dispensable resources anyhow disposable resources i should say it's all gonna burn up one day the old saying you ever seen a, a armored truck behind the hearse nope and you won't you, I know people who have wanted all kind of things buried in their coffins with them. They sure didn't make it to heaven with them. And I promise you it ain't doing them no good in hell if that's where they went. All I'm trying to tell you is that our lives are meant for so much more. And it's sad to think that, this, that the pace of the life that we live today has caused us to be weary and worn out and we miss the miraculous things of God because we don't put 
the priorities where they need to be. He wants a relationship with us. He wants us to draw up to him. And see, that stuff's almost like writing a book report in college. Because we don't look at it like the miraculous. In my Christian walk, especially as a pastor, when people start talking about miracles and miraculous stuff, nine times out of ten, on the normal, what people are telling me when they say, oh, God showed up, is because somebody was flip-flopping in the floor, somebody was hooping and hollering, and somebody was speaking in tongues, or somebody was doing something else, and that was the, that was the most amazing, miraculous, oh, we had church today, but God ain't done a daggum thing in their life. Because the rest of the week, they're living like hell, wore out, and can't have, keep their budget straight, families falling apart, and everything else is going sideways. You know where the Christian life, the miraculous Christian life is lived? It is lived as a devoted follower of Jesus Christ, studying His Word, praying to Him, listening to Him, and meditating on the things of God, and loving other people as much as you love God. That's where the Christian life lives. And then God does this other stuff. But see, I've lived a lot of my Christian life by me putting posts up. Me making this happen, or wanting this to happen, trying to set all that stuff up, and ain't a I'm not going to say none of it's been miraculous. A lot of it has been, but I can point to a lot of things in my Christian life that's just been me putting post up, me digging a well so that other people can drink out of it. And if all you've ever done is drank out of Jacob's well, you're a miserable human being because God's got a well for us to drink out of. And if you'll drink out of that well, there's life. There's life in that well. But we don't want to pay the price for holiness. We don't want to pay the price. We want somebody to read it to us. We want somebody to explain it to us. We want somebody to pray for us when the first responsibility we have is to do these things ourselves. And until we get that, you know, it's amazing. We have, a, I think, an awesome group of deacons. I really do. I, I thank God for the servants that God has here. But did you know, y'all remember my Bible study on Tuesdays? And y'all remember that? It just hit me the other day. Everybody that's been put on as, a, as on as a deacon right now came through those Bible studies. All I'm trying to tell you is some of the most godly men that I get to serve alongside of we're putting in the labor to get into his word and study. And God's doing miraculous things in their lives. Sometimes I wonder if I need to slow down a little bit more like them. Because you can put out, and I'll leave you with this before we hit Sunday. You can put out more than you take in. And then you got to come up with something to put out. And if you don't put out living water, you ain't giving them nothing but you. And I don't need no more of me. And you don't need no more of me. But we sure do need some of him, don't we? Thank you for listening today. Pastor Greg wants to share with you how the gospel changed his life and how it can change yours too. You know, Tim, it was the gospel that saved me. 
I'll never forget when Ray Elder came into my life, uh, God put him there and he shared the truth of the gospel with me that I was a sinner, that Christ died for my sins, and that if I would accept him as the Lord of my life and follow him, that he would change my life. And that's exactly what he's done. I wonder if that's something that you would like to do today, that you would today before God just admit, you know, God, I'm a sinner, I'm lost, and I need you. And God, I believe that Christ died on the cross for me, and I want to accept his payment today for, for my sins, and I want to live for him from this point forward. If you pray that prayer today, we want to welcome you into the family of God. We also want to encourage you to contact us. You'll find a link below where you can reach us. And so we look forward to hearing from you. so much that he gave his son for us. Amen. God bless you guys.